Mom to Mom podcast. We're three generations of moms who've experienced nearly every season of motherhood. Of course, we don't have all the answers, but you can be sure that we'll always point you to the one who does. We're pouring a cup of coffee and we're chatting motherhood today. Pull up a chair. We're really glad you're here. Hey there, Mama. Welcome to Season 3 of the mom to mom podcast. We've got a great lineup coming your way this year. We'll be chatting about all kinds of things from productivity to talking with your kids about purity, from mom anger to teenage angst. In addition, we'll be pulling up an extra chair at the table for many fantastic mothering giants, including today's guest, Sally Clarkson. Just a quick word about this first episode. We had some audio trouble at the very beginning, so you'll hear some scratchy sounds in the first few minutes. Please accept our sincerest apologies. We could have edited that first bit out, but we didn't want you to miss even one word from this great conversation. Thanks so much for joining us. We're looking forward to meeting you here every other Tuesday. Home is the place where the whispers of God's love are heard regularly. The touch of his hands is given intentionally throughout the day. The words of his encouragement and affirmation pointed to lay the foundation of loving relationships where the mother conducts the beauty of this life within its walls. This is a quote from our very special guest on today's podcast episode, our friend and the mentor to all of us as mothers, Sally Clarkson. Sally says, I believe that mothers are those who shape generations, build godly legacies, and inspire their children's hearts, souls, and minds so they will go back into the world to live the reality of Christ in all areas of life. Coming alongside moms to encourage them has been a commitment of my ministry, Sally says. From working on college campuses to sharing the gospel behind the Iron Curtain as a missionary, traveling around the world to speak on discipleship, Sally Clarkson has tenaciously sought after God's kingdom and has used her ministry to encourage others to do the same. From her best-selling books and ministries, Sally has shared from her heart and home about the value of motherhood and the potential for home to cultivate life, love, and faith. Today, we are honored to welcome Sally to share her wisdom and her contagious passion for visionary motherhood. Welcome, Sally. I am so honored to be with you wonderful women. Well, I have a picture of four beautiful women right in front of me. (laughs) It's so much fun to be with you today. We're so glad you're here. Thank you. So today, Kate and Jamie and I are so excited to be able to um, ask Sally some in-person questions and share these answers with you because Sally's made such an impact on all of our lives. There are, of course, her books and her ministries and her conferences. I was having this conversation with my husband last night that Sally would be our guest um, this morning. And he said, September, do you realize it's been um, just about 10 years when everything in your life changed because of Sally? And I said, well, what are you, you know, what are you thinking specifically? And he said, 10 years ago, he said, our, your oldest was 18 and our baby, you had just weaned her. He said, and I put you on a plane and you flew out to Sally's home and you stayed with her and um, she mentored you personally and with a bunch of women. And he said, you came back a different person, September, he said, and it wasn't just because of your motherhood. It was because you had a mentor that was willing to speak truth into your life. And so Mm. I thought it was really special that we were able to have this interview here today. And um, 
uh, some of the questions that we thought would be really great for some of our listeners, these moms that are listening in all different age demographics. You know, some of the moms are wondering, you know, maybe they're not in the same place we are with sharing a podcast or you, but maybe they're thinking um, about where does this atmosphere for raising our children, a culture of visionary motherhood come from? So we're wondering, Sally, did you and your husband, Clay, have a vision before you started your family or did you kind of slowly create an atmosphere as you were raising your children? Yeah. And so I can't believe it's been 10 years. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, it was such yeah. a fun time to have you and the yeah. other women in my home. No, as a matter of fact, uh, when I look back, I think I am the most ill-suited person in the world to speak on motherhood or even on home. Um, I, my, uh, my underpinnings, my foundations really began when I became a believer as a, um, as a student in college. And then I was on staff with a student ministry for seven years. And the last three while I was on staff with them were probably the most important because I was living in communist Eastern Europe. And I really developed a love for God and a love for his word. I, I had people in my life who invested in me and encouraged and inspired me. And um, so then my, my sweet husband, um, had been praying for seven years that we would end up in the same city. We had met each other at a Christian conference. We'd never lived in the same place. He prayed that we would live in the same city. We did. <laughs> well, I got assigned back to the United States and to Denver, and he was going to Denver Seminary. And so we both um, began our whole marriage, our family, our vision for life, just primarily based on discipleship. We, we looked at the life of Christ and we saw how he loved, served, taught, lived with. And um, so I finally became a mom when I was 31, had never changed a diaper, uh, was the only girl in my family. And um, when we had, all, all of a sudden we had um, three children in less than five years. And I, you know, I kept thinking, when are they going to go away on the weekend? <laughs> you know, I had just been a, I'd been a single um, working woman and, and um, yet I loved God with all my heart. And I would read in scripture, children are a blessing from God. I read in Genesis one where it said that um, be fruitful and multiply. And then I would, I read these passages where it said that Jesus took the children into his arms and he blessed them. And so I thought, oh my goodness. Um, you mean, Lord, this is now going to be my work? These, these little human beings whose souls are going to last for eternity? And so I really, uh, for me, uh, learning how to mother, learning how to cultivate um, a home that gave life was a long process. I, I took it one step at a time, one day at a time. And so I guess I would say to all the precious ones out there that the main thing you have to have is a heart. If you have a heart for God, God will grow your heart for your children, for your family, for your home. And, um, and you just, you, you don't need to uh, feel um, awful for the moments when you are tempted to be um, irritated or out of control. You just need to grow. Just grow in the direction of loving well, and you'll be just fine. Mm. So Sally, I hear what you're saying about um, the plans that you had, this vision that you had for your kids and, and for your mothering. But I'm wondering, because I've, you know, we've talked to 
so many moms here on the podcast. And, and I think what happens is moms start out with this great vision, but then they look for some kind of like magic formula or some mm -hmm. prescription to be able to put that vision into. And if I just follow, you know, X, Y, Z, or this 12 steps, I'll end up with this perfect child or the child that, you know, God can use. How do you prevent that vision? from becoming very formulaic and sort of a one size fits all? Because every child is different. I mean, I have five and I can't think of five more uniquely mm -hmm. wired children. Um, mm -hmm. And so I know I couldn't just lay a formula over them, but it, it, it's sometimes difficult when, you know, you read a book and here's the 12 steps that you're supposed to do. How do you mm -hmm. prevent that vision from becoming formulaic? Uh, I think that uh, eventually all mothers will learn that formulas don't work. And um, when I look at the, the life of Christ, and uh, he really was, he was my mentor. I didn't have uh, much in the way of support systems. I didn't have mentors or models, but I just kept thinking, um, how did Jesus so impact his disciples that they literally went into the world? Uh, in Acts, it says, who are these uneducated men who turned the world upside down? And, and so um, I think that the first thing that I would start with, which kind of blows apart any of the formulas, is that you have to look at each of your children and understand that they each have their own DNA, they each have their own fingerprint, that God designed them uniquely, and that um, really the way to influence children is to look deeply into their hearts, to discover who they are, and to say, God showed me a pattern of love in his life, I will determine that love will be the way that I open your heart. Love will be the foundation of my influence. And love is so different to each child. Some children, uh, my extroverts, wanted to talk all the time. They would follow me around the house and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, I just had to be available to smile and say, oh, that's amazingly interesting. Uh, you don't always have to feel, you don't always have to feel like being enthusiastic, you just have to act in an enthusiastic way. Um, but I really think that it's, it's standing back and saying there is no formula. It is a walk of faith, a walk of worship to God. I love my children because I want to serve the heart of God, and he loves my children. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. So one of my favorite quotes, Sally, comes from a poem. I don't know if you've ever heard of the poet Sir Henry John Newbolt. And he writes, we build for the days that we shall not see. What were you hoping to build in those messy middle years of mothering? And, and what, if any, of the work have you been able to see now that all of your kids have launched? Well, uh, it's funny. I, I, I was trying to be very um, limited in what I wrote in my new book, uh, Waking Wonder, because I thought, Okay, we've already written a 375-page book on some mm -hmm. of this. We need a shorter book. Mm -hmm. And so I made really four goals, even as a young mom. Um, I, I'm very goal-oriented, and I was because I had been working for many years. And so the first thing that I, I really wanted for my children is uh, I wanted to cause them to have a wonder-filled life. I was one of those uh, children who, in school, I was quite bored and I would always ask questions and the teachers would say, why do you ask so many questions? And I would think, why aren't you questioning what you're telling me? <laughs> so I got in trouble for talking too much, for thinking too much. And so 
I thought, I want my children to live in the atmosphere of our home where I can, uh, Paul talks about seeing with the eyes of your heart. In other words, we see life so much through the imagination of what we can understand through wonder, through thinking about stories and what, what was it like to live in the time of Jesus when there were Roman soldiers screaming and yelling and uh, sand was blowing and children were playing, uh, you know, tag or whatever. So I wanted my children, first of all, uh, to grow up in a, in a place where I could access their imagination and live in an atmosphere of beauty, of love, of um, making my home a place of uh, resources where at, at every point they could see color or beauty or dimension or great food or celebration. Now, of course, the reality is I had four um, sinful, immature children who wanted to wear clothes every day and eat and make messes. And so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think until you have a vision, you can't really move in the direction of your ideals. You, you have to cultivate that vision. So the first thing is I wanted them to have a wonder-filled um, home where they really could grow mental muscle. I wanted them to be strong because they had thought and because their questions had been answered. The second thing was, I did want to lay a spiritual formation that, uh, that really was founded on um, more of an organic view of God. I thought, I want them to fall in love with the creator who threw the stars into place. And um, one time my little boy said to me, Mama, it seems like so many people we know just think that God is a rule to be followed and they have scowls on their face. And this was my child who always got in trouble. Um, you know, he needed, he needed more freedom. <laughs> and so he said, I think our God is the God of Celtic music and, and chocolate chip cookies and puppy dogs and, and fajitas. And he said, I, I'm so happy to know a God who um, is bigger than life. And he said, she, he said, he's like Aslan. He's not tame, but he's good. And so I wanted my children to understand that God was beyond our capacity to to uh, confine him to a box, but he, he was worthy of our worship. So that was my second goal. Um, my third goal was really uh, that in my home, they would be able to grow emotionally healthy, that they would know unconditional love because I wanted them, I, I thought, my goodness, God says he's for me. If God is for me, who can be against me? And I thought, this is a pretty hard world. I want them to know that wherever they are, whatever they do, they have a mama who is for them. And I would speak forward into their lives. I would say, I believe that God is going to use you to tell a great story. And, and so I wanted them to feel that affirmation and grace that I had received from God. And then the fourth thing was, I really believe that we're all created for purpose. Um, that, that when we feel like our lives matter, uh, that when we feel like we have a, a place in the mega story of the world, um, kind of like in Lord of the Rings, they, they have all these tiny little hobbits, but they were the ones who turned the world upside down because they had a vision for doing something that would matter. And so that was the fourth foundation. I, I thought I want to inspire my children and say, you were created just exactly with your blueberry eyes or um, I'm amazed at the music that you're playing, or, you know, you were so gracious to your sibling. Now, this didn't mean that they always were perfect. It just meant I was speaking forward. So fast forward, uh, I just feel like God is so gracious 
and I made so many mistakes, but the results are, uh, and we, we didn't do any, um, we didn't grade, give our children grades in their home education. We didn't uh, do age graded material. We did everybody together. And um, my children, by God's grace, love the Lord with all their heart. And they're all writers, they're all published writers. They, they're just really accessing their world with purpose and intentionality and we're each other's best friends. Mm. And so I am very grateful for that. Mm. I yeah. love how you champion them, Sally. And mm. for those who didn't grow up with that, that, yeah. that speaks volumes. You know, I meet so many women lately and men actually who say, my mom never told me she loved me in my whole life. Mm. Or I don't know how to love my children because uh, I felt like all my parents wanted me to do was be perfect or they were adversarial or they didn't have time for me. And so I think if anybody listens to this podcast today and all they know is that when you shape the voices in your children's head with, I am so blessed to have you, I love you, then you're giving them a good foundation, a good start. I feel like we could just end the podcast right there. That was so valuable, <laughs> but we're, we're not going to end. We're going to keep pulling all those wisdom nuggets out of you because we just appreciate I was so the information you just shared, those four things were, are they in your new book, Awakening Wonder? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Excellent. Good. Yeah. Good. You know, Sally, I love what you were just saying about just what you've poured into your children and how they have all come to love the Lord grown and because so many kids today turn 18 and walk away from the church mm -hmm. it's what it it pains my heart to see that because we only had one shot we had one child and we are my main goal was to raise her to follow the lord to find her passion to love him and and we didn't mess it up and i'm just so grateful for that that you know that she is following the lord in her 30s with her five kids and i'm so grateful but I truly believe that every child is here to change the world in some capacity. And I was never afraid to dream God's big dream for our daughter. Now, in mm -hmm. our case, it turned out that God's plan for her was the avenue of Christian music. We didn't know where it was going to end up, but that's where he took her. But God began showing us early on what he wanted us to pray and believe for her. So how do you feel about dreaming big dreams for our children and carrying that vision for their future, but not turning that vision into an idol. Cause we didn't want to do that. We, our goal was always, God, what do you have? Well, our, our main thing is that she find her purpose, her passion in you, Lord, and wherever you want to take that, but not being afraid to dream a big dream. If that's where you want to take her or, or any child, how do you feel about that? Well, um, for those who know my children um, and who know our kind of agency, I think that the more somebody has a big view of God, the more we can give our children a big vision in this way. God is infinite. God is amazing. He is intelligent. He has capacity. He is transcendent. He is righteous. And he has created us to be like him. And so when we access our potential, we have the possibility of, of being... Um, of growing infinitely in our intelligence, of loving beyond our capacity to imagine it at this moment. And so I would always say to my children, you have the inheritance, the heritage of the God who threw the stars into place. I wonder how he's going to use you to change the world. Because if we look at the, the disciples, they were just, um, they were people who had a heart for God. They were 
primarily fishermen, tax collectors. They were living in a common small town. And yet when they captured a vision for the kingdom, they went into the world and transformed thousands and thousands uh, beyond their imagination lives through their writings, through their uh, confidence. And I, I do say to parents, we are not here to control our children. We are here to set our children free by giving them an amazing foundation. And I would say to my kids, I can't make you um, into a great person or a person who has a great life or a person who has a, um, a, a, an infinite destiny because you've gotten into the hands of God. You have to decide to do that. But I will champion you. I will encourage you. I will instruct you. And if you take the stewardship, if you take the legacy of what we have given to you, there is... Um, an endless possibility of how God is going to use you to change your world. I believe that God has made you to be somebody who will bring light into darkness, um, beauty into ugliness, healing um, into places where there have been scars. I just can't wait to see who you'll become. And so uh, I think that it's a step of faith. It's, it's taking risks. It's allowing your children to make decisions. And so just a quick rundown on my kids. Um, Sarah, uh, my oldest daughter, has two children. And she's an author of seven books. She uh, graduated with honors from um, Oxford with her master's wow. in theology. Um, and then there's Joel. And Joel um, graduated from Berklee College of Music in Boston with, as composer of the year. And he's finishing his PhD in theology and music at, at um, St. Andrews in Scotland. And then there's Nathan, who is my ADHD, ODD, OCD, oh my goodness, son. And if only I'd known <laughs> when he was growing up in my home that he was going to be an actor, a, an artist. And he has also published five books. He has produced, uh, he has written, produced, and developed three movies. Um, and um, he has a podcast. He speaks. He, um, he's just become this amazing person. And, and his uh, film was picked up by Netflix. He's... Uh, you know, I mean, he's just, just with a zero budget, God has really used him. Um, and he's competing right now for five different um, agents who won his new film. So I, it, different people. So, um, and then there's Joy. I had three children, three miscarriages. And then at 42, Nathan said, Mama, I think you need to have another little girl. And so I, because um, to even it out. And uh, I'd had three miscarriages. I said, well, Mommy's kind of getting old. And um, he said, but you told me you believed in prayer. And so then Joy was born. And Joy is my first child to finish her PhD. She's a podcaster. She's an author. Um, she's kind of one of those who's going to take the world by storm. She um, graduated when she was 16, finished college by 19, had her master's um, degree of uh, divinity when she was 21. And now she's finishing her PhD at 25. Now, I want you to tell, I want you to know, those were not our goals. Our goals were to reach the heart of our children for Christ and to teach them that he was with them wherever they went, to, that he had a message for them to live out, that, that he loved them. So we said, you know, we don't care what you do, um, but our children chose those venues because they had in their mind and their heart, I wonder in the power of the Holy Spirit what I can dream for God, for his glory. And so that, that just happens to be the roads they took. Do we still have dirty dishes? Yes. Do we still 
um, have fusses. Of course we do. You know, we, we are a, a big family with loud voices, two introverts, two extroverts, and all of us are always talking when we're together. So we aren't a perfect family, but God has given my children dreams of how he's going to use them uh, to really bring his light and his purpose. And that's why we emphasize as our fourth area purpose, because we wanted them to know that with their strengths, their weaknesses, their vulnerabilities, that who they were was exactly who they needed to be to bring his light to their world, to, to God's world, to the dark world. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Imagine the world change that would take place if we moms did the knee-bending work of prayer for our homes. If we spent just as much time praying as we do providing perfect childhoods, perfect days, perfect dinners. Our kids need perfection, that's true, but it won't ever be found in us. That's a gift only Jesus can lavish on them. If Kate, September, and I could encourage you in just one thing, it would be prayer. Nothing will be more powerful in the life of your kids and in your relationship with them than bringing them to the throne of the all-powerful one who can move heaven and earth on their behalf. To help direct your thoughts to specific prayer points found in scripture, we've put together a month-long series of prayer cards called 30 Days of Prayer for My Child. Each card contains a prayer theme, a verse that correlates with that theme, and a brief sample prayer to help you call upon God to be faithful to his word in light of your kids. To grab a set of your own, head to September and Co. Shop on Etsy. Pray for your kids today, because if you're not praying for them, who will be? Well, you know, there are probably moms listening who are well into their journey of raising their kids, and maybe they feel like they've waited too long to instill this purpose and this vision of motherhood, or maybe even a plan about the culture and atmosphere of their home. And maybe they feel like raising children isn't everything they thought it would be. Maybe it's too late. 
What word of encouragement can we give those moms, maybe some practical areas and steps that you would give them? Maybe they feel like it's just a little too late, but they want to do something. It's never too late. I mean, if you knew all the ins and outs, the stories, the the speeding tickets, the car wrecks, the um, the dumb decisions my children made, you know, that's the problem when you have a podcast because you're consolidating a generalization. And um, the thing is, we weren't called to be perfect. Our children weren't called to be perfect. Mine certainly weren't. Um, but I think that the the whole point, and I love the the prodigal son story. And um, because my Nathan was kind of the out of the box child, a wild child, a child who questioned everything, that's the reason he chose that as his first movie. Because um, Jesus was standing in a company of Pharisees and, and Sadducees. And they, they probably had their arms crossed and they were probably looking with a scowl at, at Jesus thinking, who is this man? And so it's in the context of having them behind him that he said, there once was a man who had two sons. And um, he basically was, it was teaching the story to the Pharisees that, that um, you know, God is the God of rebellious people. I mean, that's why he had to die for us. But he's telling the story that there was a son who turned away. Um, he was young. He was immature. His, his uh, cortex, his, his brain cortex had probably not closed yet. <laughs> it doesn't close till they're 25. Um, and, and so, uh, yeah, <laughs> so, um, he, he went into the world and, um, and he uh, was a philanderer and, and he did really dumb things. And our children are going to um, have all sorts of phases that they go through. But Jesus was basically speaking hope to us and to the Pharisees and saying, do, do you understand that um, sinful people are the ones I'm standing at the door waiting for, that I'm going to champion them, love them, believe in them, reach out to them, accept them, be the person they can rely on. Because the father in that story, I believe, was Christ. I believe it was God looking out, waiting, praying for, ready to welcome back the prodigal. And um, when you look at the story of the lost sheep, um, Jesus said, I will leave the 99 to go after the one. And um, we, we, we have to look at scripture and say, oh my goodness, God really chose a bunch of imperfect people. We look at David who committed adultery and, you know, a Gideon who ran away. And uh, I mean, the, the scripture is filled with people who needed patience and time and grace and love. Uh, I mean, even with Peter, we look at him and we go, um, Jesus wasn't biting his nails going, Peter, please don't um, listen. You know, the, the, the cock is going to crow and please don't go to that place tonight. Be warned. You're going to fall apart. and You're going to embarrass me for all eternity. No, Jesus didn't say that. He said, Peter, after you return, strengthen the brethren. And then he met him on the shore with fish and said, you're still my rock. And so I think that if God has grace and hope and commitment, for us, then we need to say, God does not want me to give up. I am not perfect. He never expected perfection. I want to give him my fish and loaves and say, with all my heart, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to grow. I'm going to change. With all my heart, here's my fish and loaves. Make them enough. And I think that all of us wanted to keep having more children so we could do it right. <laughs> you know, we are all flawed. Um, but I would say to the mom who feels discouraged, all of us have felt discouraged because we are imperfect women. 
but our God is a God of redemption and grace. And we just need to keep praying, keep loving, keep giving grace, keep growing, apologize if we need to, and then believe forward in the life that Christ wants to give to us. Amen. Yeah. I love that. And I was thinking of the moms that are raising children in a different culture than you did, or I did. I mean, I've been raising I, we call it three sets of kids. You know, we have our oldest, yeah. we have our middle kids, we have the younger ones. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've raised them in different cultures mm-hmm. and every culture, every season has a new challenge, but I'm wondering if we can share some ideas on how to hold on to that everyday atmosphere of like learning and cultivating family and growing a strong family vision within the walls of our homes in today's culture for some of the moms listening, you know, with new challenges. And I know some things are always the same, um, but maybe some things that we have to be really intentional about. Well, I think that wise women are those who have copied wise women. Um, I don't think we're wise all on our own. And so um, I think that it's amazing that women have access today to these great podcasts. Mm. And I know that you do a podcast, I uh, do a podcast. And I would say, be careful who you follow. Because the direction that you choose to follow um, will end up in a certain place. Where's the place you want to end up? And um, so I would say, read, uh, read, the, read great books from people whose lives have borne the fruit that you would like to have. Um, there's so many ridiculous voices online. <laughs> there's this one <laughs> that, you know. And so um, I think female women do have to guard their heart. Guard what you allow into your heart, guard the voices, guard the temptation, guard the fears, because there are people who will give you permission at every point to compromise your ideals and to compromise Christian ideals. But um, I feel like I've, I've had to look at my life, and I would encourage young women to look at their lives too and say, wow, this is a hard time. This is a dark time. What a crazy time in COVID. But I think God has said to me, you know what, Sally, I entrusted you with this time because I believe that you have the potential to be faithful. Will you choose to follow me? Will you choose to take one more step? And so I really think that um, women need to look carefully at guarding their hearts. Um, Find or shape a few friends around the the ideals that you believe. Mm -hmm. Because it says two are better than one. Woe to the one who has no one to lift him up. And um, I, I had an elder woman who, no matter when I went to her house, she, she didn't exactly know what I did. Um, you know, she had never had school. She never had any ideas of what I was doing. But she walked with God and she believed in me. I mean, she would just say, I just think you're wonderful. And I'm praying for you. And tell me how I can support you. And I'd go to her house for a cup of tea. She'd always have a cup of tea, a candle. And she would encourage me. So find um, people. Look for them. I, I just got a letter from someone the other day that said, I haven't had a friend in seven years. And I thought, oh, you know, I mean, there's so much loneliness and isolation. And I would say, if possible, shape some friends by reaching out to people yourself. Because we moved 19 times, seven times internationally, um, I was always the person who had to start things. And, and yet when I would reach out and, and faithfully invite women in, a lot of people would fall away, but then there would be those people who would stay. Sally, you were saying exactly what my heart is for this podcast. You know, when we started this podcast about two years ago, 
it was birthed out of the idea that there's a lot of voices um, competing for mm-hmm. our motherhood. And when I was in a place, me personally, I was in a place where I needed some voices. I was new to a community. I had left my um, mentors that I had had for years, and I needed some mothers further on in the journey to, mm-hmm. you know, hold my hand and lead mm-hmm. me along. And I went looking in the place that we naturally look, which is the internet. And there's so many, so many voices, well-intentioned voices, but from mothers who, whose fruit hasn't been proved, you know? And so I, we wanted to create a space where, you know, look at these two women here and yourself who have um, miles behind them and their children are grown and we can see the fruit and we can see the steps that they walked and, and I can follow along. Not that it has to be prescriptive, not that my kids are going to be the same, but I can look at Kate and September and yourself and so many of the other women that we've had on this podcast and say, it can be done. They're doing it. They're, they're following Christ. I can follow them in that and, and look to Christ myself. And I think, um, we're a little remiss in our culture right now of looking to the young, the hip, the trendy, the, the, the current, and, Mm -hmm. and that hasn't been proved. And, Mm -hmm. And I think you hit the nail on the head. Look for those, those strong voices who are going to lead us well, even if their mothering wasn't in the exact culture that we're living in now, truth is truth and it will stand forever. Thank you so much for saying that. I guess with that, I'm wondering how has your role or maybe your goals for your motherhood evolved during the years of mothering adults when your kids maybe don't and and probably shouldn't have the same allegiances to you, your husband, and their siblings as they're starting their own families? How has your role changed, if at all? You know, I um, every family is unique and every relationship is different but oddly um, my children live all over the world um, New York um, Scotland uh, South England and um, I live back and forth between Oxford and and Colorado and um, I think because we built our relationship on a foundation of friendship and I also because I saw that Jesus fearlessly um, left his disciples alone and left the whole ministry of the whole world in the hands of imperfect human beings. And, and so I feel like um, there has to be a very slow letting go of adult children so that they can access their potential. But um, I still feel like God has really called my husband and me to be their primary cheerleaders because um, they, they are all living lives in very secular arenas. And um, so I think that, you know, I, I, can't imagine a point at which Jesus has ever said, um, I'm going to leave you and that's it. Because he said, I will leave the Holy Spirit with you and he will be your encourager and he will be your uh, comforter and he will be your... So I feel like whereas we used to take the responsibility for um, for loving our children and training them and teaching them, now we just continue to move in the direction of building on the same relationship but I think that um, I think that one of the greatest things moms can do is to be a champion for their children for their whole lives, and that means if they listen to different music, if they um, have a little bit different vocabulary, if they think a little bit different politically. Um, I have to say, oddly, one of my favorite groups of people are millennials. I, I work primarily with millennials, 
um, they're most of my assistants. Um, they live all over the United States and world. And I love learning from them. I love saying, show me your context. What are you learning? Because that generation cares deeply about authenticity. And so I think that a part of women our age is passing on some of the lessons that we've learned. Um, I think that the more um, you grow or the more you, the older you get, the more humble you are and the more compassionate you are for others because you failed so much. And, and that's the one lesson that you can't learn um, until you're old and you've fallen apart. But on the other hand, I just love these women. They're, they're passionate. They're, they care deeply. They're moving forward. Now that doesn't mean everyone is, but I love to love my arena because I feel like, and the people that you're speaking to, I just think they're amazing. They have amazing potential. Uh, it's so hard to be a mom. You're lonely. You don't have neighbors to help you. Your church often doesn't support you. You were made to have cousins and nannies or cousins and grannies and, and aunts and uncles. You're supposed to have lots of support systems and a lot of you are doing it alone, but I see great hearts. I actually love this generation. I just enjoy them so much. Yeah. I hear you. I feel the same way. My older children have become some of my best friends. I find myself texting or communicating with my older children more than I do any of my closest friends now, you know, asking questions about exercise and computer things and personal things. And will you pray for me? And I've just noticed in the last couple of months, it's, it's now developed into a really deep, true friendship. It's not just, you know, they're my daughter and I'm checking in on them. Yeah. I'm learning from them. And I love that. Um, I just didn't expect that. I didn't know that was coming. So I'm glad that you shared that today because I, I want moms to know that really is um, possible and it's valuable. And it doesn't look like it at the time, you know, they're saying oh. he touched my toe um, you know, or they're fussing over silly things or teenagers say these drastic things to you and you yeah. think, oh my goodness, what is going yeah. to be the outcome of this? But um, I know September, your family's probably like ours. I, our family loves being together and we get right. together all together multiple mm -hmm. times a year just because we're each other's mm -hmm. kind of community. Right. So I want women to know that it doesn't always look like that at the time. Mm -mm. but it shapes over many years. You're, you're right. shaping that strong sense of community. I think the trouble comes is that, you know, as a young mom, we want to see the fruit now, but we have to understand you, there's planting in the planting season and the harvest doesn't exactly. come immediately, but, but waiting, oh, that's so hard to wait for mm -hmm. the harvest season. Well, I will attest to the fact that, you know, I'm still raising our youngest is nine and our oldest is 28 and I have college and teenagers and middle schoolers still at home. And if I did <laughs> not, be very the, tired. <laughs> yeah, if I didn't see the fruit right now of these relationships of my older kids and what is, what they're growing into, I think I would feel so exhausted and defeated and unsure while I'm parenting maybe my 15 year old son right now, who's very strong-willed and um, my younger kids, I would think what is going to happen? Um, and, I, and I'm so thankful when we get together every Sunday as a family that I can look at this, you know, outcome and, and still see it developing. And then remember when they all go home and I'm parenting these, a difficult child that someday we will be friends. 
we won't be arguing about screen time and picking up dirty socks and deodorant and shaving and all those things that just get so weird, so weary. Um, but that leads me to our next question um, before Kate closes out with our last question. I wanted to kind of ask you, and I know you have some really good advice and a sage word of wisdom to those struggling with that strong willed child or children and feeling like they can't do this anymore. You know, I know I've followed your journey and uh, um, I know your story and your children. I know them personally. So I, I wonder what you can share to that mom that feels like she just can't do this anymore with these strong-willed children. Uh, you know, I, I think that um, unfortunately we don't have a choice. Um, in other words, I feel like uh, God has said, this is the child I chose for you. You're exactly who this child needs. Keep going. And uh, because, um, you know, I would go back to him and I would say, he said, I, I will never leave you or forsake you. Um, you know, uh, and so I, I feel like um, the thing is, I would tell people just breathe. Number one, breathe. Um, this is a long-term journey. It's, there's no formula. There's no, with my sweet Nathan, um, people would send me letters and say, if you just hadn't fed him sugar, um, or if you just gave him um, some essential oils, he would never have this problem. And um, I thought his personality and his, um, all of the things he struggles with isn't a problem. It's just his presenting life in a fallen world. And so I feel like um, what, what I would say to women is, hang with them, especially in their teenage years, champion them, listen to their dreams. I would, um, I would go out with Nathan and, and because he's um, ADHD, he would, um, he would get up to 75 miles an hour in two minutes. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, um, you know, I would be sitting there holding on to the, you know, car and I'd say, there's a, there's a speed limit there. You know, he would be excited telling me his dreams and you know what he was doing. And so I'd take him out to breakfast and I would feed him whatever he wanted. And then I would go take him for coffee. And that gave me the right to speak into his life. You know, during those years, it was that, that date time and that, um, Nathan, tell me everything that's on your heart. Really? Oh, I just believe, believe forward in your children's lives, speak forward in their lives. Um, I think that a lot of people give up. They're so tired in the um, middle school years and in the high school years. I even think those are harder than college. Now some kids don't really push against everything until they're in college. The thing we need to know is that if our children are pushing against us, it's probably because they're insightful and intelligent because there are a lot of hypocrites in Christianity. There are a lot of, um, there are a lot of people who have fallen. There are a lot of people who aren't kind to them. It's hard to find godly peers. They want to be loved. They, they are longing for affirmation. They're longing for their lives to matter. And so I think a lot of this wild ride is just saying, I am determined that when you look back in your life, you will see that there was a faithful, loving mama beside you. Um, when, when Nathan got, I think, maybe eight or nine speeding tickets. And so I got on a personal name basis with the judge. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I would go downtown and Nathan, and it was, a lot of it is because literally he's ADHD and I'd go downtown with him and I'd say, I'd say, you know, you know us and you know, he's a good, he's a good boy. And I'd say, how can we work with this? How can we, you know, um, I, I think that I wrote the book different, um, the story of an out of the box child and the mama who loved him. Because as I look back, uh, again, 
we see this thread of unconditional love from Genesis to Revelation. And I just would say, okay, show me, God, what it looks like to look into his heart, not into his behavior, but into his heart, and help me to say something that will penetrate the dreams, the heart, the needs that he has, so that he will continue to know that he is a safe place. We are those people that he can always count on no matter what. So I don't know if that helps or not, but that was my own journey. Yeah. So we want to thank Sally for being on our podcast today. We hope that um, you'll be able to go visit her at her website. We're going to let her share a little bit about her book, her new book launching, and you can find a lot more about Sally, her life, and all of her ministries and books at sallyclarkson.com. Sally, you want to share with our listeners a little bit about your new release book? Well, I'm really excited about this book. Um, It's called Awakening Wonder, Opening Your Child's Heart to the Beauty of Learning. And I think as I look back on my life, um, and, and, you know, this is a kind of a legacy book for us. It's the story of the of our four children. It's the story of why we discipled as we did, why we chose the educational model that we did, because I see so many people today uh, focusing on the wrong things, and I've seen so many adult children fall away from the Lord. And so I wanted to write a book that said, these are the things that matter. Um, when you focus on just uh, accomplishment or SAT scores or whatever, it's like straightening a picture on the wall of a house that's burning down. And I, I wanted to write a book that would say to people, focus on the heart, focus on relationship, focus on loving well, focus on loving God in front of your children, have authenticity as their mentor. It's not the curriculum you give to your children in either church or in school, it is the, the mentor who's shaping them. If, if you have wells of wisdom and information and, and love and goodness for them to draw from, if you've invested in your life well, you will become the mentor who will be able to shape them in the direction of what they need. And so Awaking Wonder is my attempt at, at really helping, um, helping parents understand that they have this possibility of looking into the heart of their children and awakening their potential, their faith, their, um, their virtue, because God has chosen parents to be those who are the life shapers of children for eternity. Mm. Well, Kate, Jamie, and I are so honored that you joined the mom to mom podcast. You can find this episode on iTunes, mom to mom podcast.com. If you want to listen there and download this, we're excited to have a lot of new guests and some very special episodes for season three. So thank you for joining. And um, we pray that you'll be able to find Sally's book and some encouragement over at sallyclarkson.com.